This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, adult films, only fans, and times you don't want to get caught. And then once I started transitioning more into mainstream porn, um, my fans were very excited because they're like, I really loved your feet, but I really like seeing you get fucked too. <laughs> now, the reason that there is so much taboo in porn is because uh, that is what people are searching. We are making porn specifically based on the Google searches, the Pornhub searches, searches by gender, searches by age group, searches by everything. It seems as though we're going towards more censorship 100% of the time. But sex workers prevail and we are used to being censored and finding a way because ultimately the product we have is so good that it won't ever go away. You can never censor it to the point where it's gone. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest is a teacher. She used to be an elementary school teacher, but now she educates people in a different way, teaching men about sex and women about empowerment. This is Adult Films and OnlyFans star Lexi Luna. Two quick notes. One, I kind of messed up my portion of the audio just a little bit. And two, OnlyFans recently had some big news that I felt like we had to talk about first. And then we'll get into the rest of the interview, which is just absolutely fascinating. Normally, we wouldn't necessarily start this way, but I think with some news that came down yesterday, we kind of have to. Um, When you look at what OnlyFans has decided to do, what's your reaction to that? Um, Honestly, it's kind of a shelter-in-place reaction, because we don't actually know what's going on and there hasn't been all that much, you know, told to us by OnlyFans. There's not been an email sent out to creators. There's only been this article. So we don't really know anything. So I'm just kind of continuing business as normal and um, making sure that my email list is strong and my fans know how to reach me in case something happens. But right now it's a lot of speculation and I really don't want to like, feed into that any more than we need to because you know there are a lot of creators who will who stand to lose a lot and without knowing what the official word is fear-mongering isn't going to get us very far quick little follow-up on that side like i guess the thing that, that for me kind of looking at it from the outside is like i don't get it yeah like it seems like this is mcdonald's ban- banning hamburgers in some way i mean i don't I, you know i don't mean to right. be overly dramatic but like why? What's What would be the reason in your mind? So uh, the reason this is happening is because MasterCard is pushing them. Uh, the payment processing for adult anything is tricky. And that's really what it comes down to is that these, you know, evangelical groups, shall we call them, are pressuring MasterCard to uh, do this and to get rid of what they assume is something immoral and illegal, which it's not. <laughs> Either of those things is just, you know, 
people have different paths. And you would think that such Christian people would be able to understand that not everybody does the same thing and not everybody's interested in the same things and that that's okay and that we should embrace people anyway. But it seems like, you know, in the, in the adult industry, in the porn world, we are a lot more accepting of people, whether they're the same as us or different from us, than a lot of these groups are. And, you know, their entire mission is to get rid of internet porn which is futile. It's never going to happen. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to build another platform somewhere else and people will come to us. So really what this comes down to is payment processing and MasterCard being told to figure it out because there are a lot of instances of things that shouldn't be happening on these sites as well. But that's not what the majority of this is. Looking way down the road, because we haven't quite scheduled like when this episode is going to come out. Mm -hmm. But is this such a thing like, okay, OnlyFans shuts down. We just move here. Is this really going to be a long, is this really going to be that big of a thing moving forward? Um, Yes and no. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are kind of looking at this like, okay, well, wh- what is the next move? Where is the industry going? And there are so many of these companies now. I mean, OnlyFans really blew up, especially during quarantine when people were lonely and didn't have you know, anything else to do. And the government was supplying a lot of extra money to people to be able to live. And the first thing people are going to spend money on is the things that make them feel good. And that's porn, <laughs> you know, because we're all in survival mode. So we were all trying to comfort ourselves in some way. And a lot of people found comfort talking to us and, you know, getting a little bit more of like a social piece on that. But, you know, looking down the road, who knows? I don't know which platform I'm going to just yet. You know, I'm weighing my options. I know that my fans will follow me just about anywhere I take them. But I know that's not true for a lot of performers, um, especially people who are pretty new to the industry. You know, this is my sixth year in adult. And I just have a different perspective. I have a different fan base. And I know that I'm secure, but I don't know what payment processing is going to look like. If, if this is a precedent that MasterCard has set, how many more sites will get hit with, I don't want to process your payment anymore. And if people can't use their credit cards, they're certainly not going to you know, participate in a, in a different way. I mean, they're talking about age verification, uploading IDs for the users and for the performers. And I just don't see a lot of people, consumers wanting to put their identification picture of them holding their identification into a system like that not for porn yeah i don't really like look i i am a american male and have all this general proclivities that an american male has but i'm i'm not going on to Pornhub with a picture of me holding my id that's just this is not gonna happen like and it's it's crazy and you know but if mastercard says this is what you have to do nobody's gonna do it so it just naturally dissolves so then they don't seem like the bad people even though they absolutely are you mentioned that you got started six years ago. How did that come about? Like what made you get into the industry? I was really tired of what I was doing in the education world. I taught kindergarten through fourth grade for five years prior to my parlay into the adult world. And, you know, I taught over two different school uh, or two different states. I taught so low socioeconomic, high socioeconomic. I taught in charter schools. I taught in public schools. I tried a little bit of everything in five years. And um, ultimately, after five years of experience, I was making $35,000 a year, which is barely enough to live. So I kind of just got fed up with the whole, the harder you work, the less money you make in education mantra. And I had been dabbling in the fetish world a little bit here and there. And um, I got in with a really great group of people who taught me a lot. And I learned a lot about how to do different fetish acts, like impact play. I learned about Um, different fetishes. And that's kind of how I got into this like mindset of 
this is really cool. And this is a part of myself I would have never discovered had I not, you know, gone to this club and met these people. And then it became more of like a, okay, well, on Fridays they have classes and maybe I'd be interested in going to see one of those classes to see, cause you know, I'm an educator and I love to learn and you know, let's, let's see what, what's behind this a little bit more. So it just kind of naturally led me to be on a website called FetLife and I got approached there for some recruiter and they told me, you know, the whole, oh, you can make so much money, which like I see through that. I'm 26 at the time. So this is not like you can't romance me with the numbers because I actually am thinking logically about what this could potentially be. It felt very credible and I, I felt like, okay, this is a real industry. This isn't just somebody trying to like get a mass group of people to do a scam or something like that. And this was in April that I got approached and I was like, school's over in May. Like I could do this over the summer. And then if it doesn't work out, I could just start again teaching. And if this is not looking back, like that's just not how it's going to work. Right. Um, so I was like, whatever. I was the most junior teacher. My contract didn't get renewed for the next year because I was very expendable to them. And it kind of left me with this, like, okay, this is it. This is like, every path is cleared for me to do this. I don't have a job next year and I really am not upset about it. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll take, I'll take the leap, you know, big risk, big reward. And, um, I did my first scene June 3rd and I never looked back. Was, was the first scene what you thought it would be like? Nothing at all. Like what I thought it would be like, first of all, it was for a company that um, is very heavy BDSM, but like the females are in charge. Like it's very femdom oriented and it was like strap on play. It was beating a slave in a latex dress. Like it was a lot, but it wasn't new to me because again, my experience in the kink world and learning all these things made it possible for me to even be able to do that safely with somebody else. When would you say that you kind of went mainstream? Um, not too long after that. I did a, a, I focused more on the fetish side of things for a little while because it's kind of where I was comfortable. I was familiar with foot fetish. I was familiar with domination. I was familiar with all these different pieces. And a lot of people who are brand new to the industry aren't necessarily that familiar with it. They just kind of do what the director says. But that's kind of where I started showing my personality and, and kind of c- capturing my fans. And then once I started transitioning more into mainstream porn, um, my fans were very excited because they're like, I really loved your feet, but I really like seeing you get fucked too. <laughs> so, you know, that's naturally, that's, that's naturally. part of it too. But yeah, it just, it was such an easy transition for me. I feel like fetish kind of cushioned the blow a little bit to like this big leap. And I felt like I was much a part of a much smaller community inside of this adult industry so it really was, I think, the perfect transition for me to go from one to the other. That kind of makes sense. I honestly don't know what impact play is, but I would imagine that if you're kind of at this level, it's easier to to go down to this level, so to speak, right. and the right. more mainstream. Impact is anything like hitting, like um, oh. whipping, anything that makes an impact. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> That makes sense. And it's there's a big variety when you really think about how many different things you can use to make impact. There the, the toys are really like there's a there's a a fetish about that and like the leather and all the different things that these toys are made of. I have an I have alligator whips, I have rubber spank floggers, I have a lot of different types of stuff. And that's also kind of the fun part is like having tools. And you know, me as a teacher, like I love office supplies and it's kind of the same thing. Like those are the office supplies of the fetish world. 
<laughs> so it was really fun. And, you know, it, it like gave me something else to do. And that's something that was like exciting to learn about. And I think that's really where this all stems from is that I'm just fucking curious. So here comes like the person viewing it from the outside kind mm-hmm. of question, right? But did you ever regret it? Like, because it doesn't seem like once you take this step, there's no going back. back. Right. Right. Did you- and at, the, at the beginning, I don't think I realized that there was no going back. Like, I didn't realize how quickly and how massively, like, you are out there. There is no reeling it back in. Like, once you've decided to be on the internet, you are on the internet. There, There's, you know, and once I, like, it was probably, like, in the first month, I was a roller coaster where I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Do I really want to do this? Am I going to be successful? Because ultimately, there's no guarantee that you're successful. There's no guarantee people like you or your brand or what you do. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential that you'll get harassed. And there's a lot of potential that, you know, you'll never be able to hold a regular job. She says in air quotes (laughs) again, because this stuff is really easy to find, especially if you do a lot of it and to do, to be successful, you have to do a lot of it. So it was a little bit at the beginning, I was a little unsure, but then once I started like, being like, fuck it, I'm owning this. I'm doing this. I'm making a business out of this. I want nothing to do with anybody who isn't supportive. And like, this is my life. I get to make my choices. I am responsible for my happiness, not somebody else. And once I got to this like piece of empowerment, then it just like, there was no stopping me. And, you know, five years, six years later, now I'm a hundred percent happy with what I've done. I can't wait to continue doing more and figuring out the nuances of this industry because boy, does it change often and the ebbs and flows and it's, it's exciting, but it's also secure. Like I know this isn't going anywhere. Nobody can take this from me. And I think that a lot of people can't say that about their job. Good for you. Thanks. (laughs) Good for you. I guess that's, that is one kind of question where we were talking about a little bit like no going back from the only fans perspective. And I wanted to hear what, what you had to think about this because look, here I am, you know, middle-aged 30, 30 year old guy. My, what is my, what do I know about this kind of stuff? But I kind of wondered like for, for people who got into it during the pandemic and were on OnlyFans, where it was suddenly so accessible, mm-hmm. do they really know what they were getting into? Right. I don't think so because I don't think they saw it as being on the internet. They're not on Pornhub, so they're not porn stars. But your content is on the internet and people have probably already stolen it and put it on a tube site and are making money off of you. Like that's the reality of being in porn. My content that I make today is stolen tomorrow. And because I have ways to track my content, I know where it's going and I can take it down. DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act is the protection within the United States that allows me to say, hey, that person has a video of me, that's my content, take it down, and the website has to comply. So that's a little bit of like the protection legal side of this, but that doesn't matter in Europe, that doesn't matter in other countries, because this is an American law, you know, and people are viewing you all over the world, places you don't even know. So, you know, it's, I I don't think they knew what they were getting themselves into dabbling a little bit to supplement your income is not really how sex work works. Like this is kind of an all or nothing thing, especially with the age of the internet. Maybe there was a time when porn stars were the girls that were on VHS tapes. And that was like, they were like, wow, unattainable. But now we are accessible. We are your friends. We, you, we can together. We spend hours a week together. 
talking, getting to know each other. This is a relationship. And I think that that is the part that more junior content creators haven't learned yet or haven't realized is kind of what makes this interesting and what makes them have a job. Do you like that aspect of, we'll use OnlyFans as an example, but whatever this platform like evolves into, do you like that aspect of it more where you're kind of interacting with people more or do you like it more where, hey, I make this video, I put it on the internet, I cash my check? I mean, obviously yeah, I'm oversimplifying, right. but like which right, one right. of those is? Which I, one love, of those is I love connecting with my fans. I always tell people that Lexi Luna doesn't exist without fans. Like me, my persona, my character doesn't exist if people don't consume it and the way that people consume it is by feeling a connection i mean that's what humans do and because i feel 100 percent empowered and 100 percent like this is something i chose to do on my own terms i love to connect with people who are like i love your content gets me through tough times you've really helped me during this depressed period of my life like i get these kinds of feedback from people and it's really really fucking great that i can help people like that because I was never able to help my students in a way that I can help these people and my fans, because that's what, that's just how the education system is. I mean, you know, you don't really get to help people. You just kind of get to maintain the status quo right. of what education means in America. So to me, it's been so rewarding to like get the feedback because yeah, when I was teaching, maybe in 15 years, a kid would come back and be like, oh, you were so influential in my life, maybe. <laughs> but I get that kind of feedback from my fans daily. And it's really great. Do you, for the devil's advocate kind of question mm -hmm. on that side though, do you ever feel like these people might be engaging in a relationship with you that they're never going to have in real life, right? Like that they might be creating fantasies in their head. Like, hey, Lexi's my friend. She told me hi today. Right. So that, and that's the part where it is, uh, there's a fine line. And I am very upfront with all my fans and I make sure that I'm constantly reminding them I'm a fantasy and this is really fun to dabble in this, but this is not something that is real, you know, and we can have this relationship and we can do all these different things. And yeah, it is fun to sit on cam and shoot the shit and have inside jokes with the people who are on there from the previous cam sessions and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I, I cannot supplement a real in-person relationship for them. And when, when or if I feel that that is starting to happen with a particular fan, I cut it off because it's not fair. I'm, I'm just not going to feel responsible for, you know, people just locking themselves in their house and talking to me online. Like there's a, per, there's definitely a piece of that that I, and that's my internal struggle is like kind of checking in and making sure that, you know, we're still doing this fantasy role play piece and we're not actually creating a meaningful relationship right. that's going to come to pass. Which one is, is generally more financially rewarding for you? The only fans aspect, that kind of an aspect, or is it for the more kind of mainstream producers kind of stuff? It's tricky because they're really interwoven. Only fans is instant, whereas working with bigger companies um, I might get, make less money for the amount of time I put in, but they can also promote me in a much bigger scope than I can promote myself. So, you know, a, for example, Brazzers has millions of followers on Instagram. They put a picture of me and my scene that's coming out. I'm instantly, my rank on Pornhub increases because people are searching me because they're like, oh yeah, I love Lexi. Why haven't I looked at her stuff? Let me go on Pornhub and search her. 
And that increases my rank, which increases my visibility, which increases my OnlyFans revenue. And it just all kind of works yeah. together, which is why it's really important to diversify and to make sure that you, not all your eggs are in one basket because things like this can happen. And, you know, if something were to go away and you can no longer process payment as of October 1, you know, you have to be prepared. You're running a business. How many hours a day, a week, whatever, however you want to define it? Like how much time would you put into it? Gosh, it's almost constant. Um, not only do I manage the OnlyFans, I also manage a texting and calling and video chatting platform called Sext Panther um, at textlexiluna.com. <laughs> and it's, you know, the, the texts come straight to my cell phone. So I am literally in touch with fans all day, every day. There is no time where I'm not working, but my job doesn't feel like work. So it's really, it's really exciting to just be on call, but be in total control. If I wanted to shut it all down for a day, I absolutely could, but I don't need to because I don't feel stressed out by my job. I don't feel like I'm putting in 60 hours a week and getting no nothing in return. So it's just to think that uh, in my life, this has been the career that I've had the longest is just kind of crazy. Like I'm 32 and I'm in my second career and it's going really well. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? Right? <laughs> right? Like I could but, never feel this way from education or education of children. I can feel this way educating adults. I teach guys how to lick pussy. I teach guys on how to have open relationships and how to communicate with their partners and all these really important social skills that nobody ever teaches us. And I teach people that it's okay to want sex. Like that's a totally human, normal thing. And we have been suppressed so much and it's so taboo to be horny. Like get the fuck out of here. Do you, do you ever feel like though, like, okay, this 24 seven sex, like, do you ever get just, Oh my God. Yeah. Does sometimes, that ever get too, or does it, does it, I, sorry, <laughs> does it, sorry. I think we were both like waiting for each other, but does it ever like, okay, does that, that affect your personal life? Or like, look, I've done all this all day. I don't really feel like doing this right now. You know, right. does that, does that take a toll on generally not only your, but like people who work in the same industry, or are you just worn out and like a job becomes a job at some point. Some I don't degree, want to do my job when I'm not doing right. my job. To some degree. Yes. But also it's not sex job all the time. Sometimes it's chit chat and it's not sexual at all. Sometimes it's very sexual. Sometimes I'm, it's actual penetration. Sometimes I'm on set for 12 hours and it's, just like a really long fucking day. And yeah, that's when it kind of does feel like work. And it's like, ugh, can we just say the lines and do the fucking and go home? Like, <laughs> you know, it, so for sure there are those times, but the benefits definitely outweigh the risks. And it's far more of the excited, can't wait to come back to work part than it is the I'm exhausted and don't want sex part. You know, like everybody gets tired for sure, but it's not always a physical tax. So it doesn't always feel like, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. It does, <laughs> right? Like it's not, how do I say this necessarily right. without See, potentially offending everybody, <laughs> right? Like it's not always just, I can't say this to another person who's not my wife, but it's not always just like pounding away. Yeah. <laughs> There's other parts too. Right, right, right. And especially as a female, like, I, cons I consume sex in a different way and I, it affects me differently than it affects a, a male counterpart. And, you know, that's also part of it. Like I get a lot of the emotional and the like foreplay kind of stuff fulfilled 
talking to my fans and knowing that like they're so into me and this is like that's hot to me so it doesn't have to be sex to be sex um yeah. are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions oh yeah I so, didn't know there were right. submitted questions. Okay, cool. We do. We got some. Um, what is your favorite kind of scene? What is your least favorite kind of scene? Great question. My favorite kind of scene is a scene where I get to be what they call the instigator. Um, I'm the woman in charge. I'm the one kind of pushing for the sex. I'm the one who's like making making like the scenario happen the way that I want. So very empowering, very like exciting for me to just, you know, I don't know, just put the pieces in yeah, play. Just, yeah, just go yeah. for it, right? Yeah, that's definitely fun. My least favorite kind of scene is as any scene where I feel as though my scene partner or partners are not as interested as I am in like either getting the job done or making a great scene or, you know, whatever. You know, I, I want to have everybody that I work with want to be there hundred percent. And if they're giving off vibes that they're just like, I'm kind of only in this for the paycheck and don't kiss yeah. me if the camera's not rolling. Like I'm not into that. So that's what I always kind of wondered. And like, you see people having sex on camera and stuff like that. Like, are they generally kind of into it? Like, or is this just like, okay, all right. Scene two, we're doing this. Let's do this. You know what to do. Let's go. Let's move it. Like, are you it guys definitely generally depends. like, it definitely depends. I, bring a level of intimacy to my scenes before the scene starts. I talk to my scene partners and I'm like, I like tell them the things I, I like and don't like sexually and ask them for the same and like flirt a little bit and get, you know, get the juices going. And it's, it's fun to like, let's not take out the human element of this. It's fun to connect even for an hour when we're doing the scene. And it's, you know, I'm open to that. I don't feel like it's disingenuous to have a short term connection. So I think I, I put, a lot of performers at ease with that because it's like, no, like this can be fun and we're going to have a great day. And, but I think that's the teacher in me too, is like making people feel comfortable and, you know, welcome. And <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think it depends on the people involved. But there is some acting involved too. For right? sure. Like it's not oh, for just sure. like. For sure. But for, it's also fun to act overact the like passion because you know it's going to be so great when it comes out and then that kind of feeds into the actual having the pat actually having the passion to bring to the to the screen so it's kind of like a it's cyclical for sure your favorite title like the favorite title that you had and it can be cheesy or it can be actually good okay i'll give you one of my per my own videos that i've recorded and then one of um, like a professional scene. Um, my favorite one that I've come up with is a, a three-way girl scene that I did in Hawaii and it's called Maui Munching. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? No. Yes. That's and actually then, the yeah. immediate thought is like, that's the best possible title that you could have come up with for that kind of a yeah. scene. Maui Munching. There's no way to improve it. No, there's not. It's perfect as is. <laughs> yeah. I see you trying really hard to grasp at something. I'm really thinking You're about to it. see like a there's... different title. It's not there. No. And like, <laughs> I don't even need to know anything about that. I know exactly what that is. Yep. Um, any of the scenes that you, this is another question. Any of the scenes that you happen out, right? Like, you know, there's always the pizza delivery guy. Right. Has any of that ever happened to you in real life? 
Um, okay, so no, but yes, but no. Um, it's not like a typical scenario, but I did seduce a girl. It's similar to the way that I have seduced girls in videos. When before I was ever in porn, I had no idea. But I didn't really like get the the hints that she was dropping because, like, you know, I don't know anything about this. Like, I'm newly in my sexual revolution, and there was a girl I met at uh, one of the kink events that I went to, and we just started hanging out. And she would like come over to my apartment, and we would listen to like Glass Animals. <laughs> so bad, but. I ended up fucking her with a strap on and that was fun. <laughs> yeah. That's weird how people are always people, right? Like you yeah. still can't pick up hints. Nope. I am the worst at flirting. I do not know if anybody's ever interested in me. I like rarely look people in the eyes. I walk down the street. Like I'm so fucking shy, which is not at all what you would think if you saw my videos, but yeah, it's. This is like, so since she was just in here, my wife and I, the other day, were trying to find like just normal, like, what would you call it? Like normal, not like, like sexual porn. Do they not make yeah, that anymore? Not taboo mommy like, themed. Not, yeah. Right. Not like <laughs> yeah. right. two guys pound out girl. Like, right, do they right. still, how come they stop making like, hey, a, a couple would like to enjoy this, a couple right. Like, how come they stop making? Let that? me give you, first of all, a website that actually might do this for you. It's called Belessa. B-E-L-L-E-S-A. They do more of the, like, couple, fun, sweet, romantical. Like, I think that is more what you're looking for. Now, the reason that there is so much taboo in porn is because um, that is what people are searching. We are b- making porn specifically based on the... Google searches, the Pornhub searches, searches by gender, searches by age group, searches by everything. Like Pornhub breaks it the fuck down. They tell you what people are looking for, what kind of search terms they're interested in, and how many of them. MILF, number one category. Um, Huge category. Just (laughs) thank you, American Pie. Um, That's literally when it started. And ever since American Pie coined the term MILF, Porn has been raking in the cash doing MILF porn. And, you know, when you really think about it, we are just a reflection of society. So people are searching things like fucking your stepmom and fucking your stepsister and all that kind of stuff. That's Because if you think about the family dynamics in American families, American households, there was a period of time where a lot of families were get, were transitioning and there was a divorce and then there was a new girlfriend and then there was the, that girlfriend's kids and now it's a blended family. And it doesn't seem wrong because those aren't your relatives. So like, you know, and when you're in that developing age and this happens to your family, the urges are there and then that's very long lasting. Like sex is a very powerful tool in our brains. So I don't think that, that it really goes away. So then that's always that like dirty thing that makes you horny. Are porn stars generally good at sex? Like you would say like, oh yeah. Cause you would think that they would be really good, but are they really good? Are they like the NBA, the top of their game people at it? That's a great question. I, I think that's depends on the performer. I, when you look at porn, you see everything. That's not how real sex goes. So we are opening to the camera a lot so that you can see the penetration, so that you can see all the action that's happening. So in in real life, having sex with a porn performer not on set is a great experience. Having sex with a porn performer where you're constantly 
spread open and in these awkward positions and showing your tits all the time and like in these like acrobatic positions is not the best sex. Think about how much of sex you can actually see when you're having sex. Not a whole lot. (laughs) So if you can see it, that means that there's separation between the people and there's, you know, light can enter and you can actually see what's happening. And because of that, it makes for achieving orgasms very challenging because it just doesn't feel super comfortable. Now, yes, we do come on set because after a certain amount of fucking, like your body's just going to do it. (laughs) There's just a point of no return where you're like, all right, even though it's uncomfortable, we're going. (laughs) Like you shoot at a target enough, you're going to hit it eventually. Exactly. Like, yeah, but but yes, yeah, I, I would say that, but I would say that any, any person who listens to their partner and pays attention to their partner is good at sex. That's what makes people good at sex. It's not <laughs> that they're good at like <laughs> physically having sex. It's paying attention that makes for the best sex partners. <laughs> well, 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 people who work in the industry, will they like watch other performers and be like, Ooh, I really like what this person does there. I want like, to study each other's technique. Oh fuck. Yeah. That is how I learned to do what I do. There was, a, there comes a point where I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't understand how she looks so fucking beautiful. And I feel like I'm like a hyena over here, <laughs> like, you know, so you watch and then the good male talent also knows how to position you and how to open you up and how to hold your arm. So you are just balancing on each other. And so you're not like, trying to hold yourself up and open and all like there's definitely an art form to it. And, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. Hmm. Oh, what is your most interesting fan request? I have a fan who really likes for me to get on cam or do a custom video where I use a a dildo and it has to have balls and I take my makeup brushes and my hair and I tickle his cock with it. So I'll take my makeup brushes and I'll brush on the balls and the shaft and I'll say, tickle, tickle, tickle. And then I'll take my hair and I'll wrap it around the cock and stroke it like a hair job. Um, and that is probably my most interesting request. You don't have to say their name, but on a scale of one to 10, like let's say one is somebody who's like not famous at all. 10, we're talking about like Tom Brady level famous. What level would you say is the most famous person who has tried to get into your direct messages? <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, that's a great question. That is and such then, a fan <laughs> question. I love it. It really um, is. And you I can name names if you want to. Oh, no, 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 no. I would never. I, I, I would say like a level six famous, but only once. And it was kind of prompted by an event. So it wasn't like it wasn't like they were trying to slide in and be like, "Hey, you down? You DTF, right?" But yeah, yeah, not not we, super okay. famous. But I'm also like, I do not give off the vibes of slide into my DMs like at fucking all. And I think that it comes across. And you know, I've I've closed my DMs actually because unless I follow you, because I get a lot of spam in imagine. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that you would get yeah. quite a quite an amount of interesting messages that would come through. Just, oh, just... hey, we I forgot to tell you my favorite title that oh, isn't yeah, my yeah, own. Yeah. Um, so oh. I did this VR scene and it was basically like my new husband and his ex-wife is having a garage sale of all his old shit because she's like selling off his stuff because, you know, he's, he crossed her. And it is called Bargain Bangin'. 
So that's probably my favorite. Have there ever been any instances though, where like you or somebody, you know, was getting ready to do a scene and you're like, this is, this is too ridiculous. (laughs) This is too ridiculous. We We don't really take ourselves that seriously. And often the names aren't part of the script. Like the, they don't you have don't know a title is. ahead of time, typically. Uh, sometimes they do, depends on the company. But, you know, it's, that's the thing. People are always like, oh, just like in the porn title or in the porn movies, like, like everything's so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's what makes it fun. And that's like, do not take this so seriously. R- really don't. Like it's, it's me- it is entertainment. It is a fantasy and it's fun. And I think people sometimes are like, try to, you know, breach that reality piece a little too much. And that's when like, you're only hurting yourself <laughs> because we're all Do just you- having fun naming this stuff. Do you think that there will be more censorship or less censorship in the future? Gosh, that's tricky because it seems as though we're going towards more censorship 100% of the time. But sex workers prevail and we are used to being censored and finding a way because ultimately the product we have is so good that it won't ever go away. You can never censor it to the point where it's gone. And I think if politicians just teamed up with us instead of trying to erase us and our voices, I think that would be a lot better for everybody involved and a lot safer. And it would, and it could be regulated differently. You know, like every, all of us also don't want under 18s on our sites. A hundred percent. Like we are all on the same fucking page when it comes to that kind of thing, but taking away the incomes of sex workers, the way that some platforms have done is just, there's no need for it. It's just a malicious way to, to like run policy and, you know, FOSTA-SESTA, which is the legislation that has been really tricky for us um, as of late. And, you know, I'd say in the last four years, it, it doesn't make sex work safer for anybody that the way that it claims, all it does is, you know, marginalize and ostracize people who aren't in the top 10% of porn performers or who aren't, you know, who are not online sex workers, they're in-person sex workers. So really working with us would be a lot more beneficial to, to society as a whole than working against us. Why a statement? Okay. Big question. Okay. Tanya sent me this. Well, she didn't send me this question, but she mentioned this Mm -hmm. favorite Nintendo switch game. Oh, I had this really, I had this love affair with Roller Coaster Tycoon, where you build a roller coaster theme park, and it's like you build all the rides, and you build the shops, and you get more people to come to your stuff, and you can watch them do all the rides and stuff. It's like, it's like, like watching this like maze of people, like little ants in your park, and it's really cool, and you can pick people up and drop them other places, and I love it, but lately, I've really been into Mario Kart, and... But I don't play online because, like, I am not that good. And these kids online will fucking destroy me. And then they'll be like, you suck. (laughs) And I can't handle it. So I just play, like, I play by myself. Mario or Mario or uh, Zelda? Mario. Mm. Sorry. That's legit. The the overall game. It's poppy and it's fun and like i have i'm looking in my living room i have like seven different plush toys that are mario and like i love the the clean graphic design of it and i really like that it's like a light-hearted like there aren't scary games i'm not like i'm not a gamer girl like i just 
you know, it, I, I don't, I can't handle too much stress. If my hands start sweating, I'm fucking done. Like, <laughs> can't do it. That's all the questions that I have. Is there anything else you think we missed or kind of what's um, coming up next for you? Oh man, I just finished a project called Cassex. It is, it was a mainstream project where I got to play an eighties uh, sex goddess and I suck people into my alternate dimension. It's, it's really cool. It's on full moon features. So hopefully gearing up for a second one of a second episode or third episode of that. Um, I plan to maybe start filming mainstream porn. I don't know. It's tough right now because you know, COVID and testing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. We are all traveling. We're flying across the country to shoot and stuff like that. So it's just, I'm kind of staying put right now, but I am, you know, trying to figure out the next platform because as we know, October one, <laughs> the, uh, the porn part of the porn platform is departing swiftly. So I'm curious to hear what the actual statement is and to see how this all happens. But right now just, making content for my fans, connecting with them, camming, doing all the great stuff that I've always done because ultimately we got through it. We always do. I want to thank Lexi so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Instagram and Twitter. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay. Now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw. So when you're, if you make yourself a hamburger, do you put the condiments on the top of the bun, like above the burger, or do you put them underneath the burger? Always on top, never under. Though I will say that I think the best burgers that I have ever had have been uh, probably with the the stuff on the bottom, but I, I don't do that for whatever reason. It's just something you can't do, right? Like I feel like I should put the condiments on the bottom because I would agree that I've had better burgers where the condiment is under the meat. But I won't do it. I always put it over the meat. Yeah, I'm 100% uh, over, the <laughs> over the meat, not under the meat. What about the cheese now? Will you put the condiments above the cheese uh, or below the cheese? See, that's where it gets a little tricky. I'm not against having a slice of cheese on the bottom and the top. <sighs> I see. Now, if I go double cheese, I go both. Bur- I go both cheeses next to each other. I've never actually thought about putting a piece of cheese under the burger, the burger, and then a piece of cheese above it. I've never thought of that. I'm not saying it could be life-changing, but it could be life-changing. So then would you go burger, condiments, cheese, bun? Or do you go burger, cheese, condiments, bun? I go I go condiments, fillings, cheese, burger, usually. Now, do you consider pickles to be a condiment, or do you consider that to be a filling? A uh, condiment. Anything that is not mm. lettuce or tomato or an onion ring or something like that, you know, something with substance. I don't feel like pickles have a whole lot of substance. See, but that doesn't really make any sense to me because the pickle doesn't have any more substance than the onion ring necessarily. The onion ring provides some, some depth, some, you know, it's really just about the size to me, you know, like a one line of mustard is nothing in the grand scheme of things to a slice of cheese, right? So like right, it's delicious right, and right. great, but it's just a condiment as where a cheese, the cheese is like one of the main, you know, one of the main stars of the, of the meal. Well, see, but I'm going to say that ketchup and mayonnaise and whatever kind of like special sauce you're going to put on the burger is a star of the meal. It's a bigger star of the meal than an onion ring is going to be. So the, I, I can understand your kind of like maybe it has the, 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 the girth, so to speak. 
but I don't think that, that the See, side, the star of the meal is going to make that difference. See, I think this is all because you eat like a child, I bet. You would rather have a burger with no lettuce, no tomato, but loaded with ketchup and mayonnaise. No, I would. Well, mostly it's just lazy. I'm not taking those extra steps. It's too involved for me. <laughs> I mean, last week you admitted that you have the same dinner four nights out of seven. So Now, wait a minute. All right, but if you're going to consider a pickle to be a condiment and not to be a filling, whatever you want to phrase it, what about if it's one of those big pickles, like the big flat pickle? I'm not talking about getting like four, four or five little mini pickles. I'm talking about the one big pickle. Does that change your mind? Yeah. So once again, like kind of what you said, it's about girth. It's about the size of, of it. Uh, you know, if, if you get one of those gigantic pickles that takes up, you know, has to be about half the size of the hamburger, then yeah, then it's not a condiment anymore. That's just a big ass pickle. All right. Have you ever uh, ever had anybody walk into you while you're watching walking on you while you're watching porn? <laughs> wow, that's uh, that might be the most awkward transition we've ever had on this show. Um, I don't watch a lot of it, so you know, you never believe me, You've, but I, I just don't. You've never had a quick close. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even know that was a thing, but it really made me laugh. Um, I, I may or may not have had in the past, but not not any time recently. Okay, when you had a quick close, were you just looking, or were you starting to do the deed? <laughs> Why? Why? I don't. I don't know if I want to tell the entire world. I don't know if they want to know this. I don't think that just, just the, answer the question. It, I'll say I'll say the engine was revving. How about that? We were putting some oil in the engine, so to speak. Well, now, when you did the quick close, was it a quick close of just the browser? Or did you shut the whole laptop? I mean, listen, back then it was a desktop. OK, so you didn't you didn't have just a quick close. You had to like, you know, you had to exit out of the screen and you had to put the push the keyboard up. You had all kinds of things going that is, on. That is one thing that kids today will never understand how much harder it was to hide what you were looking at when you had like the giant desktop monitor that you had to be in the one computer room. That was always in pretty plain sight of the family. Like it was a lot harder to hide what you were doing on the internet when we were kids. And a lot of times they were in the parents' bedroom. So like, you know, you went on when they were asleep and you, you know, you didn't dare try anything when your parents are sleeping, you know, 10 feet away from you. I wouldn't have even been on the internet in that computer room if, with my parents if they were asleep. You're, oh, yeah. Wow. Man, I, I used to. Uh, yeah, I, I spent many, many nights on, uh, AOL instant messenger. I think I'm dating myself the old aim, you know, talking, uh, talking to people. And your parents were right. They were sleeping right behind you. Yeah. A lot of the times. Wow. Man. Okay. You, what was your aim name? What was your aim name? I didn't have that stuff, dude. <laughs> Well, Lunchbox Boy 05 here would have been your friend. Guy, you know when if, if no one has ever seen a picture of John, uh, just imagine what the guy who would have Lunchbox Boy 05 for a handle would be. And there you go. That is, yeah, yeah. Here I am. Here I yeah. am. <laughs> That's what we look. Live. That would be like if, if the police were ever looking for Lunchbox Boy 05, they would be like, "Do we need a composite sketch?" Like, no, we don't. We don't need it. We know exactly what that man. Does. It's that guy right there. 
how did you find him? Did somebody call him in? Like, no, we knew exactly what he looked like. I would love to know what people's aim names were, man. I would love it. I mean, they really represent a lot about who you were at that point in your life, I feel. More than people's social media handles now, though? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I, I guess maybe because I just don't care to look enough uh, outside of the show. But uh, there aren't a whole lot of uh, of unique handles that I that I find. A lot of them are people's names with, you know, numbers or, you know, Big Dick Cheese 49. That guy might be interesting. I'm not really sure. But you know what I mean. All right. This sounds like a good segue into our uh, shout outs, huh? <laughs> all right, let's do it. And this is a, this is an uh, uh, basically an all male list this time. So uh, shout outs to all the men out there who listen. Apparently, uh, we'll start off with Ryan Browning. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you, Ryan. Uh, ben Morton, uh, Chris, Logan Watt, Doug Strautner, Brett Matheny, Steve Lyons, Arthur Cates. Joshua Boggs, and last but not least, Zoe Poppy, the lone female on the list. So appreciate appreciate all of you, like usual. I like how you say it's an all male list, and then have women. It's on. Almost, <laughs> almost. It was oh, almost all. Okay. I said it was almost, almost. All right, okay. uh, let's see. Right. So, so what what's worse in your opinion? Uh, waking up from a dream, from the best dream you've ever had where you're about to, you know, get down with your celebrity crush or something like that, or actually being in a situation where you're, where you think you're going to, you know, get some and you're, you're just shut down right away. What's worse, a dream or real life? Uh, I don't even know how to answer this question. Like, I don't know how to answer it because part of me is enraged at the very nature of the question. Or like, I'm offended that it is it's even a fantastic a question. question. And so am I fantastic more question. upset because I didn't get laid in a dream or because I didn't get laid in reality? <laughs> I would say reality. In a dream, I couldn't Wait. involves, I can always take care of that later, <laughs> but in... Yeah, I'd, but you have to it, admit, it, some sometimes, sometimes when you're having a dream, and the next thing you know, somebody wakes you up, and you're like, "God dang it! Wish you just would have let me sleep." I don't know if I've ever. I see, but my dreams, like my my dreams that are of that nature, my dreams have generally been like the right before you die or before you hit the ground. Like I always wake up before anything happens anyway. So maybe that my, like, I guess like I'm not a closer in real life or in my dreams, I guess is what what I'm saying. (laughs) I can't seal the deal even in my own dreams. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense, I guess, if you really think about it. Uh, this was not really an if or or type question, but uh, if you could travel back to any year between 1900 and 2000, as your age right now, but without the kids, without the wife, what year would you go to? Any age? I'm still my age. Can I not be still- my age, though? Because I feel like I'm in the age, we're both in the age now, where we can't really, like, all right, 35, I can't wait to be 35 in 1986. Like, that's, <laughs> right, what do you want to be, then, I be like, 21? in my late 20s? 
All right, let's pick 27. Yeah, that's... Everybody, I think, would okay, agree fine. that 27 is generally kind of a good age. Um, fine. 1989. 1989 sounds like a good year. I think you and I would have had a lot of fun in 1989. Right. 1989 seems like it would be a good time. What other <laughs> years would you even put out there as like a good year to go back to? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, pr- probably the 80s would be like you said. I would also think maybe the the era after the the Second World War, you know, the 10 years there where everybody was was all happy and just having sex and making babies all the time. Like that might have been right. You know, you know, back during, back during segregation, that was that'd be a real good time. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what I meant. Oh, you done. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. You know what I'd really like to go back to? Back when the women couldn't vote. That's what I'd really. Nineteen nineteen. Oh, That's what I want well, to go you know. back to. <laughs> All right. Look, I feel like we need to talk about we've never had to talk about your questions before, but I feel like some of these are you are you running out or is this like legitimately what you thought was going to be the best stuff that you had? No, I mean, I I legitimately first off, I'm trying to remember what the questions were because we had some technical difficulties. That's what it was. We didn't have technical difficulties. You had technical difficulties. My I got no problems over here. Still not sure I'll what, tell happened. You what happened. I'll tell what? you what happened. You probably got something in the keyboard. <laughs> you probably got like You're... Cheeto Cheeto dust no. in the keyboard right now. No, I I don't eat Cheetos, man. Well, you're gonna hate man. my current events thing. I think I probably am. Like 1993, <laughs> Jurassic the year Jurassic <laughs> Park came out. That's a great year. Um, oh, anyways. That is really uh, so well, some year uh, I could go back and make a lot of money off of something would probably be the main thing that I would try to come up with. Now, at this stage of my life, I would try to find like go back to get Apple stock or something like that at this time, not to like go back for this bitch and party and right before the year 2000. You know what I would do? I would go back and I would uh, I would hit Elon Musk with my car and Jeff Bezos and be like, I don't want to like incapacitate you guys. You guys can still become billionaires, but I, I just want to damage you enough to where you're not going to start like a space program or, or, or fire rockets. That's all I want to do. Back to space. Back Sorry. to space. Okay. Sorry. The space cop for people who aren't new to this podcast. John is very <laughs> upset about it. John is basically the guy who's in charge of who gets to go to space and who doesn't, and he's very upset about it. But are you ready for your, your current event thing? I can't wait. Can't no, wait I think you're, for what this yeah, is Yeah, let's. Be. Let's do it. So it's an it's another viral video, but uh, this one's pretty stupid. A lot of them are pretty stupid. This one's arguably the stupidest I've seen, and it's called the Milk Crate Challenge. Have you seen those videos? No, I have not. So basically, I mean, it is what it sounds like. People build a ladder of milk crates going up and down, and you have to, you know, you have to go from one side to the next and. And, and and that's pretty much it. But man, some of these falls are fantastic. So the fact that you haven't seen one kind of ruins it all. But um, uh, look, yeah, it, I am generally in favor. It's it, it sounds like it's right in my wheelhouse. To be honest with you, my favorite kind of internet video is something where somebody is trying to do something, preferably trying to look cool while doing something, and ends up getting hurt. I love those kind of comeuppance videos. Those are my favorite. How t- how what high a- of a milk crate are we talking? How is this a current event? 
Because it's taking social media and, and the viral internet by by storm. I mean, listen, we don't want to talk COVID. We don't want to talk Afghanistan or how New York City had the most amount of rain in a 48-hour period that they've ever had. Like, we don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about idiots that build pyramids of milk crates and try climbing them from yeah. one side to the other. Well, first of all, I'm I'm a hundred. Oh, I didn't know that was what a milk. Okay, that looks actually pretty funny. First of all, when I was thinking of a milk crate, for some reason, I was thinking of egg crates. I was like, how is that even possible? So they're just building them as high as they can, and then try to come across. God, what are people thousands of years from now going to think when they look back on like our historical records and like what were they doing back in 2021? Well, first they had Tide Pod Challenge where they ate Tide Pods. Then they've climbed a bunch of fucking milk crates. <laughs> Nobody is going to look at our social media of today and be surprised at any of the current things happening in society. No one's going to be like, I thought yeah. those guys were smarter than that. And what's funny is a lot, we say, oh, people 200 years ago drew in caves. What do you think those people would like think if they flashed to the future and saw us? Well, these people are idiots. Well, probably be, you know what, though? People are inherently curious. I bet they'd fucking try it. They'd be like, ooh. Let's see how far I'm I not gonna lie. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. If there were pads on the ground, I would try the milk crate challenge. I'd do it. I, I have no desire to get injured. It hurts too much. <laughs> okay, are you are you ready for our top five? I, are you I be am. Able to get through our top five since your browser closed. Jesus Christ. I. <laughs> Listen, I haven't had a major. I, I'm not. You know what? I'm not gonna even take the blame for this. It's not my fault. Uh, okay, so our top five is top five things that you don't want to get caught doing. And obviously, we're not talking about blatantly illegal stuff like robbing a bank or something like that. Uh, so what's your number What's your number five? So I feel like this should be higher on the list, but I'm going to say uh, uh, messaging, you know, exes or, 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 or ops, the opposite sex that you probably shouldn't be doing. Oh, God. You're going to put that all the way up at number five? Yeah, I feel like it needs to be yes. higher, but I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna keep it there. See where we go. Okay. Let's well okay. What would your wife be maddest at if she caught you texting an ex on like match.com or a place like that looking for a new girlfriend or actually like converse like she walked into a bar and there you were with another woman? Well, that one's happened. Uh, probably looking for, for like another, like a new girlfriend, you know, if you're texting an ex or whatever, I think you can get away with it if the circumstances are right. But I mean, if you're actively looking for like a new girlfriend, then you, like there's, how do you hide that? Like, what do you tell them? Oh yeah, there's really nothing you can do. The only circumstance in which you can be conversing with an ex is if it's like, Hey, Remember the bank loan we took out? Do you remember the PIN number? Like, it's got to be something incredible. It has to be something logistically unavoidable. Like, hey, remember that apartment we shared? They want the, de- they're refunding us the deposit. What's your phone number? Like, what's your address to send you the check? It has to be something where there is absolutely no possible way that they could get angry with you. That's the only acceptable way to do it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. Uh, my number five is not picking up dog poop. <laughs> that's a good one. I didn't really think about that, but that's that's like the walk of shame there if you don't pick it up for sure. 
That's a walk of shame. And I generally don't like to pick up dog poop. If I if there's any chance that I think I can get away with it, I'm not going to pick up dog poop. Do you have a little apparatus? No, man. I just use the bag, the double baggy thing. But the reason for this is, is that I live on the corner of two streets where a lot of people walk. And most people pick up their dog shit, but occasionally somebody's not going to pick it up and they leave it in my yard. I get a percentage, a higher percentage of dog poop left in my yard than my neighbors do. And so therefore, I feel like I should have the right not to pick up my dog poop. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to my number four here, uh, which is um, I, I haven't done this per se, but it's something that I've been in the presence of other people doing. And is that that is when they're talking about somebody that they don't think is near. And that person comes around the corner and like they know that, uh, you know, that that person heard everything. And it's just like an awkward stare at that point. So I guess gossiping about somebody that you think isn't listening. I don't know if I've ever had that happen to me either. Because I'm usually kind of a look arounder. Have you ever walked up to somebody who was talking about you? Like you walked into the conversation and they were talking about you. Yeah, that's just kind of my style. Like if, you know, I, I like to confront people that are talking about me like that because I just want to know. I mean, if you're talking shit about it, let's just t- let's just talk it out, man or woman, you know. Wow. I can't think that I've ever had somebody walk up to me, like walk into the conversation that I was having about somebody or walked into a conversation about me. I've always like I would like to. I'd like to hear what people really said. Like I would just be like, can I, can I, can I just listen? Like I'm not going to get offended. I just want to know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> well, you are a douche. What's your number four? Oh, just searching for the wrong thing at work. Whether that be uh, stuff you should not say for work, kind of stuff, or you shouldn't be clicking on that email that your buddy sent you, or looking for a new job at work, or just generally anything where you've got to like quick close, like. Uh-uh. But, but quick close in terms of a job, of course, not not what you were quick trying to grow me on earlier. Job, right. Or like I'm <laughs> clearly on Gmail and we are not using Gmail at work. Like everybody knows you're not. Hey, that's not a work. Like that's clearly not a work email. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my that's... gosh, man. I had a, uh, what's your number three? Uh, being too drunk in a public place. And what I mean by you don't ever want to get caught is, you know, you don't want to be in that situation where, where like, you're that guy at a baseball game where everybody is like, give this guy three rows of seats because he's going to throw up on somebody. I wouldn't say that I've ever been that person, but I also probably wouldn't remember if I was that person. I I wouldn't put that on my top five, to be honest with you. I would put that on top five fun things to do in public. To just be like, man, (laughs) unless you wake up on like, you're the news this morning. Like, look at this guy. (laughs) Look how drunk this guy was. Yeah, well, Lions game. That's the problem is everything goes on social media now. So you can't be that way and not expect to, you know, at least become a viral hit. Unless you're having a really good time. Like if you're having a really good time, I think you can get away with it. What's your number? Are we on number three? What's your number three? We're We're on your number three. Oh, not paying attention or zoning, completely zoning out during a meeting. You don't want to like if somebody calls on you and you have no idea and everybody gets that right where you just like not it's not just that I'm not listening. It's that I have no idea what is happening. Complete zone out. (laughs) And you always get called on, right? Someone's always like, hey, Nick, what do you think about that? And you're just like, 
okay. Now it's easier because you could just be like, I'm sorry, you broke up. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But but in a real life personal in a in a real like actual meeting room, you can't really do that anymore. Like no. what? <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, meetings. Uh what's your number two? Uh eating alone at a restaurant uh on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, uh by yourself. Ooh. I've God, I would honestly say that I've got number one, no problem with that. And number two, I actually don't mind going to a bar by myself. No, see, I bars are say fine. I enjoy it. Yeah, bars are fine. I mean, like going to like a buffet or, or like an Outback Steakhouse and just sitting there by yourself eating. I mean, listen, if you do that, that's great. But to me, it's just, you know, you probably don't want to do it. No, it depends. If you can be, you can get away with it at a certain quality of a restaurant. I'm going to go ahead and say you can get away with it at a twelve to twenty five dollar entree restaurant. But if it's cheaper than that or it's nicer than that, you can't do it. I would say there's only a handful of restaurants that you could get away with it at, and money is not even part of it. No, I mean, you could get away with it at like a TGI Fridays or a Chili's. Like there's business travelers, people are doing stuff like that's, that's the kind of restaurant you want to go to, but you don't want to be doing that at like a Furs cafeteria and you don't want to be doing that at like the <laughs> nicest restaurant in town where everybody can clearly see you like loser ass sitting there by yourself. Like you got all this money yeah. and I got no friends. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. Oh that's, man. That's... Have you ever been stood up? Straight stood up. Somebody didn't show up no. at all. No, I've never been straight stood up, but I, I I mean, we've talked about it on episode three, I think. I, I've just about been stood up, but no, I haven't actually been stood up. Okay, simple, simple no would have been fine in that case. <laughs> I know, uh, I totally I've, just gave you like a, what's your number two? I know, I went into your personal. Oh, well, I guess you don't want to know if I was set up. That's fine. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> uh, my number two is goes along with this: is arguing in public. Uh I mean, uh, yeah, specifically I, I, that, specifically that kind of like I'm with my significant other argument, where you're trying to keep like in low tones, but you can tell that that couple they are pissed <laughs> off about something. Like they're just He's like, I told you not to buy that. We can't afford it. <laughs> that look look you know what i'm talking about you see those couples having that argument Ooh, or like that's or over the kids eat. over the kids is always a thing too yeah i'm not too concerned about like well my kids are still i don't want to have like a 10 year old with a meltdown anyway what's your number one i mean i think it's unanimous and it's just you know cheating oh you went serious. I, I, well, mine is just clearly talking to another woman. But I am married wow. to a Hispanic woman, and anybody who has ever had a Hispanic woman in their life knows that it doesn't matter if you're actually cheating or if you're thinking about cheating or if you've even had a thought about another woman. It, that's all the same thing, right? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think most women though would react that way to, to you know anyone. Man or woman. I think men would react the same way to women if they were being cheated on. I don't think it's a one-way mm. street. Okay. I'm going to try to phrase this question in a way that makes some sense because I don't think it will make sense. But obviously, you don't want either of these to happen. But which one would you say is going to be a stronger emotion in you? 
getting caught cheating or being the one who gets caught cheating? Like, which of those do you feel like you're going to have a stronger emotional reaction to? If you were caught or if you're the person who catches somebody? Probably the person who catches somebody. I would actually kind of go the other way. See, personally, I would feel a stronger emotional reaction if I was the person who was getting caught because one, you're embarrassed. You've kind of pissed off two people in that regard, right? Your current person and the old person or however you want to phrase that. And then you've got to deal with their reaction on top of it. Like if you're the one who catches somebody, you've really just got anger. Yeah, but I, I to be honest, I'm not saying this to try to sound macho. Like I'm not entirely sure what I would do if I walked in on like my say my wife with with somebody else, I mean I I'm sure I would be able to hold it down, but man, you just never know what anyone's gonna do. It depends, right? If I knew the guy, I know what I would do. If I knew him, if I didn't, no. it would be yeah, it would be a completely different reaction if I didn't. So would it be worse if you knew them? No, no. What I'm saying is, if I knew the guy, I'm coming in hot. And I'm 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 taking my five eight and three quarters, 155 pound body frame, and trying to get all I can get out of it. But if I don't know the guy, it's just going to be like, all right, get out, both of you. <laughs> leave, leave leave my premises, please. Well, let, let's hope that neither of us have to have to deal with that, or anyone that's listening to this have, has to deal with those kind of emotions. What's on your honorable mention? You know, my, my list got lost, so I'm just going to end my list there. Oh, my God. The guy has one job for the podcast. One job. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a, it's a miracle I'm here right now. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really does help us out. And let us know what you think are some of the things you just don't want to get caught doing. And if it's something illegal, you probably shouldn't tell us about it. Unless it's like really cool. Then just do one of those things that like, a friend of mine did this. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.